Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. With all creation I sing praise to the King of kings. You magnify him. I feel like God will do something in this place right now. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. I'm filled with wonder. Yes, yes, yes. All wonder. Yes, yes, Jesus. At the mention of your name. Come on, you believe this? Say it. Jesus, your name is power. Jesus, your name oh, yes. is power. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Hallelujah. Thank the Lord. Aren't you glad that he meets us in the sanctuary? Amen. Praise the Lord. You may be seated and we're thankful for you being here today. We're praying, as Brother Barrow already said, we're praying for Sister Vetus, her family. Many of them are having to travel from around the country to come. And uh, as soon as we know details about Sister Bradbury's service and that sort of thing. We'll let you know. We do appreciate your prayers this week as we travel. Um, trying to navigate snow, it looks like, <laughs> to get down to Louisiana. But it looks like maybe we'll have a path that we can get down there. So God bless our young people. We dismiss our young people in our uh, hyphen classes. Amen. Thank you, singers, musicians. What a great job they do. Don't we appreciate them? Amen. Lord, would you just bless today as we teach and preach your word. Help us, God, to reach out and to grasp it and 
that it would change our hearts, our lives, our views. God, I pray you encourage your people today. In the name of Jesus, we give you the glory and the praise. And everybody said amen. Amen. Uh, Wednesday night, Brother uh, Worthen will be preaching, provided his voice is okay. <laughs> um, some people just dealing with uh, throat stuff and voice stuff, that kind of thing. But we're praying that God would just touch you, brother, and you'd be all right. Amen. Um, 23rd Psalm, if you want to turn there in your Bibles, Psalm 23. <clears throat> no one perhaps was as qualified to write from the perspective of a shepherd as David. David who in his, uh, of course in his youth, was a shepherd. That was his occupation. His first job in life was that of a shepherd. You know, when you get older, you kind of, you, you spend a little more time musing and, and reminiscing and uh, thinking back. I'd spend a lot of time doing that anymore. I think back. Doesn't seem like it was very long ago, but sometimes I think, man, has it been 30 years? Has it been 20 years? And when you get later in life, you start thinking back on things that happened to you in life. I could just see David later in his life. Maybe he was just sitting around one day. I don't know. Maybe he was in the kingdom. Maybe he was on the throne of, of the kingdom. Maybe he, was, maybe he was just relaxing somewhere and thinking about his younger years and, you know, that of a shepherd. When, when life was a little more simple and and just leading those sheep and how he took care of those sheep and, and protected those sheep, cared for those sheep, led them where they needed to go and made sure they had food when it was time to eat and water when it was time to drink and fought off the, the, the lion and then he fought off the bear. And then maybe it just occurred to David as he was thinking about that, you know, the Lord is my shepherd. When I think about that, you get older, you start relating things together. Oh, I never thought of it that way. Maybe David thought, you know, the, the way I took care of those sheep, that's the way the Lord takes care of me. The Lord, Lord, you're my shepherd. And he, I, I've had those moments, if you're a preacher, you know what I'm talking about, when things start coming to you and you just can't grab pen and paper quickly enough and, and you just want to, before you lose it, you want to write it down. I was just writing down a note in my office before service here a few minutes ago. It came to me and I started to grab something to write it down with and it was gone. <laughs> it's that fast. And then it, I finally, Lord, if that was you and it came back to me, so I think it's going to just, your place is going to blow up here in a minute apparently because it was of the Lord. <laughs> I think it was of the Lord. But, but I could see David say, I got to grab my pen, I got to grab my paper and write this down, the Lord is my shepherd. Now in this psalm, it's a great, it's a great passage of scripture. We read it for different things. Uh, we read it a lot at funerals, um, but it's not a funeral scripture really, as much as it is a life scripture. Because it talks to us about, the, the reason we use it at the funeral is because that one passage, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. But that's not for dead people, that's for the living. It's for sheep that are still alive, that are walking through, passing through the, 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 the narrow, uh, uh, really risky passages of life where we really are at risk. And, and, and so those of us that are still living, and maybe we take comfort in that when we think, well, we're passing through the valley of the shadow of death as we walk through this time of losing our loved one. But it really is written for the living, for the sheep. I've preached this a, a couple of times uh, on this chapter, and uh, I remember one time I, I felt like the Lord inspired me to just take the first uh, passage there, the first few words, uh, the, not the, but 
Lord is my shepherd. And think about which word was being emphasized there. Because any of those words could be emphasized. David could be saying, the Lord is my shepherd. As opposed to all of the other things that I could allow in that position. Something is going to direct us. Something, we're going to follow something. Something will be that, that, uh, that, that thing, that driving force that kind of uh, leads us this way or that way. And David is saying, of all of the things that I could permit to lead me, I'm just going to make my mind up that the Lord is my shepherd. Maybe it's the word is. Maybe he's being, you know, convincing himself. When, when the devil would try to convince you the Lord doesn't care about you, the Lord's not watching out for you, and they, maybe, the, maybe David is saying the Lord is my shepherd. Devil, not today, devil, he is my shepherd. And no matter what your heart may say at times, or the devil may try to tell you at times, or, or life may uh, indicate at times, uh, thank God the Lord is my shepherd. He doesn't, he's not a part-time shepherd. He doesn't clock in and out. He doesn't take naps. He doesn't go on vacations. He, today, tomorrow, yesterday, last week, next month, he is my shepherd. Not was my shepherd, not shall be, but he is my shepherd right now, a very present help in time of need. He is. Maybe the word my is being emphasized and he's saying, well, you know, uh, thank God he's your shepherd. Thank God he was my mom and dad's shepherd. Thank God he was my grandma's shepherd. Thank God he's my pastor's shepherd. But, but this has to be a personal thing with me. He's my shepherd. I've decided, I've made up my mind that, God, I'm going to have a personal relationship with my shepherd. You're mine. And maybe he's emphasizing the word shepherd because of all the things that we, we could relegate God to in our lives, that of shepherd is really one that is of great necessity. We've got to let the Lord lead us. He's not, he's not my religion. He's my shepherd. He's, he's, he's not somebody. He's not, he's not just my friend. I know it's trendy now to talk about the Lord being our friend. And of course, he is a friend. The Bible says it sticks closer than a brother. But our, our relationship with God is not that of a buddy. It's that of a father. It's that of a God. He's sovereign. And he is our shepherd. He's in, he's in that position in our lives to lead us and direct us. And we, if he's our shepherd, then we are sheep. We are his sheep. We must never forget the relationship between the Lord and ourselves is that of a shepherd who leads, guides, protects, and a sheep who needs all of those things. Um, I want to I look at this passage just quickly. I won't take very long. But I want to look at three aspects of this, of this passage. There are things after David establishes that the Lord is our shepherd, or my shepherd as he says, then there are things he writes that he just says, you know, as my shepherd, these things happen. These things just occur uh, between a shepherd and a sheep in that, uh, that leadership mentor relationship. There are just certain things that just happen. For instance, he, he makes me to lie down in green pastures. That just happens because I'm a sheep and he's a good shepherd. He causes me to lie down when I need rest. He leads me to the right place to find rest. He leads me by still waters. It just happens 
because he's the shepherd and I'm the sheep. This is just what shepherds do uh, for sheep. He leads me. He guides me. He causes me to lie down. In verse 3, he restores my soul. When I'm tired, when I'm weary, he, he comes along and he restores. I like the way David spiritualizes this shepherd sheep thing. He, sa- he says, it's my soul. My, I, a, sh- a sheep doesn't have a soul, but, but he, he, he needs restored. But I have a soul. I get depleted spiritually and mentally, emotionally tired. And when I need res- restoration, thank God. My shepherd cares enough for me. Did I, lose, did I just lose some of you animal lovers when I said the sheep don't have a soul? Well, study your Bibles a little bit. He didn't breathe into them, all right? So don't get mad at me there. Love on them while they're here, and then let them go. And uh, if you want to think they're in heaven, I won't argue with you. you go, if that makes you feel better, you go right ahead. But we're not going to preach about that, all right? He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. That just happens because I'm a sheep and he's a shepherd. I walk through the valley of the shadow of death because he leads me there. That just happens. He, in verse 5, you prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Now that's more than what we understand. If you don't study shepherds and sheep, you think that means a natural furniture table, but it's really, it's a certain area, a plane that the shepherd will go, take very painstaking steps to go and remove all the poisonous weeds and all these things that the sheep are going to be grazing in. He, he'll go and make sure it's all prepared, and he'll do that, and he understands that there are threats there and there are enemies all around, but, but he goes and prepares that place where he knows you will be grazing, and he's already gone and made preparations for you to be safe and to be sound. And, and he, it says he anoints my head with oil. Uh, the, the shepherd would anoint that sheep with, with ointment that would help protect it. I've heard different versions of that. I think the one most uh, probably rings more, most true is that that head would need anointed with certain ointment would help keep the flies and the mites and the things that would cause get in its eyes and its ears and nose, help, help kind of... Uh, minimize that and so whatever it is he anoints my head with oil he helps all of those some things are just nuisances is that the plural of nuisance 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 I nuisance uh, nuisance it's a nuisance some things are just a nuisance let's say that amen and aren't you glad God comes along sometimes, helps us with just those things that just, it, just, it just distracts us and gets on our nerves. The flies aren't going to kill you, but boy, they're really a pest, a pest when they get in your eyes and try to crawl up your nose and get in your ears. And the Lord anoints your head so you can, be, you can stay focused and stay, stay on task and not be tormented. Isn't it nice to lie down on your pillow at night and just find rest and not all these thoughts flying through your head and buzzing around your ears and in your eyes? And the, he, he anoints your head. Thank God. That happens because we're sheep and he's the shepherd. My cup runs over because he's my shepherd and I'm his sheep. Goodness, mercy, follow me all the days of my life because I'm a shepherd. He's a sheep. All these things that I just read for you, and I, and I purposely skipped over a couple of words there. Because all of the things that I just read for you are just observational statements. They are statements that the sheep 
observes the, the things that this happens. You do this for me. You lead me here. You guide me there. You protect me here. You anoint me here. You run over my cup over here. You prepare this for you do these things for me. But there are other statements. There's three of them that I count that are not observational. They are uh, they are declarative statements. They are statements that he says, I will either I shall or I will. I call it decisions sheep make. So sheep, you know, we call them dumb animals. They're so dumb. They have to be led. But they're not really so dumb. And especially if we are sheep, I don't think God looks at us and calls us dumb. I, I think he says you need led. You don't have, you, it's not in you to direct your own steps. Right? So in that sense, we are lacking understanding. That, he's not saying you're idiots. He's just saying if you don't let me lead you, you're going to be in trouble. So, so as a, as a, a sheep, then I, I, have to, I have to just understand that he's going to lead me and guide me, but I, sheep have to make some decisions. Three of them are spelled out for us here that I want to talk to you about. Decisions, sheep, I would, I would add today, must make. We must make these decisions. The first is found in verse number one when the sheep says, David says, uh, the Lord is my shepherd. Here it is. I shall not want. This is not just observational. This does not simply say that because the Lord is my shepherd, he will, he will make such provision for me that I shall not be in want. He doesn't say that. Although that is true, the Lord will make provision for you. You will not need for anything as long as the Lord is providing for you. But how many know that you can have enough? If you've raised kids, you know what I'm getting ready to say is true. You can have enough in the house and, and they still want Huh? You've heard it, teenagers especially. There's nothing to eat in the house. And mom comes in. You got this, 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 and that. There's nothing here to eat. Or ladies, top up your ears for a minute when I talk about this. Or the wife says, in a closet, stuffed with clothes. I have nothing to wear. You can unstop your ears now. I'm done. I guess we men are perfect. I can't think of anything for us. Wow. <laughs> they turned on me, Brother Pace. It really is. It's a decision. I know we're not perfect. I just got to move on for time's sake, okay? It, it, is, a, it, is, a, it is a decision. Are you going to spend your life in want? It's, it's, it's really talking about being content. Uh, being content. It's a decision that we make. I shall not want. Not I shall not be in want because that's a given. That's observational. But, but the declarative is I, I've made up my mind that I'm going to keep my attitude such that I'm not going to be discontent with God, what God gives me. I, as a sheep, I'm not going to want other shepherds. The Lord is my shepherd, and I shall not want other shepherds. There will be times when the shepherd will lead me in such ways. How many know that a shepherd doesn't just protect us? Sometimes he corrects us. And there's times, 
How many times have you, when you've been corrected, think about it, when you were growing up and you thought you had the meanest parents in the world, and if I could, I, you know, and you wanted somebody else to be your mom or your dad, and then, and then it occurred to you, well, I, I really don't have it that bad. But when you're getting corrected, nobody likes to be corrected. And so we could say, well, I don't want this shepherd. I want a different shepherd. But how many know if God is your shepherd, you've got the best shepherd that you will ever find, even on the rough days, even on the bad days, even when he's using that rod of correction and not for protection, I shall not want another shepherd. I shall not want other pastures. Wherever the Lord leads me, if I am submitted to him as my shepherd, then I'm going to trust wherever he leads me. That doesn't mean you couldn't want, you can want other, other pastures, but I've made up my mind, Lord, I'm going to trust you. If you do not understand, if you do not believe, if you are not at peace with the fact that our shepherd has your best interest at heart, if you've not settled that, then you will be, you will be unsettled on many things. Amen. If you do not know that he loves you, the, the Bible talks about love covering a multitude of sins. It covers a multitude of faults. It covers a multitude of issues. If I know that the person leading me loves me, there, there might be times where I do not understand. I, I, wish I, I wish they hadn't talked to me that way. I wish they hadn't, I wish they hadn't made that decision, but, but I know they love me. And, and I have bad days, and they have bad days. I have bad weeks, they have bad weeks. So we can, we can, now the Lord doesn't have good days and bad days, but there's times where he leads us places where we don't understand this. Now, I'm not going to want another shepherd, and I'm not going to want another pastor just because I, as the sheep, don't understand everything in the mind of the shepherd. I'm going to trust the shepherd that he has my best interest at heart. If he says no, then he has a good reason. If he says go, he has a good reason. If he says eat this, then he has a good reason. If he says lie down here, he has a good reason. I don't, I don't understand it all. I'm not the shepherd. I'm down here. I'm a sheep. He's up here. He's the shepherd. He's led many sheep where he's now leading me. I've never been this way before. He knows there's wolves that live over there. He knows there's bears that live over there. He knows the lions live up in that mountain. He knows the weeds over there are poisonous. He knows the water over there will make me sick and could kill me. So he leads me down this valley and this situation down this path. I wish I could have gone over there. That was greener. I would have liked to run over there. That looks like a lot of fun. And he's leading me places. I'm, so as his sheep, I shall not want other pastures. I shall not want other sheep. How about other shepherds? How about this? I shall not want other flocks. I shall not want, because he's my shepherd. He's called the sheep together. I'm in this flock. I'm in this flock with you. Amen. Amen. So glory to God. The sheep have different personalities, right? Some of them like to wander off, and some of them just like, they're just going to go right, right on the heels of the shepherd, you know. Some of them make a lot of noise. Some of them are quiet. Some of them eat more than they should, and some got to really make sure they eat, and some of them push the other sheep around, and, but we're all sheep. We all need the shepherd. We all need the safety of the flock. The flock's not just for comfort. It's also for safety and, and growth, uh, multiplication of sheep can only happen within a flock. 
one sheep. Multiplication does not make. You got to have at least two, and they got to be the right genders, right? I know, two sermons in a row, I get it. <laughs> I'm going away for a week, I'll calm down. But you got to have two sheep at least, and then they start to multiply, and you have a flock, and the flock multiplies. You can't just be, I, I wish it was just me. I wish the shepherd was just, I just, me and the shepherd, you and the shepherd. No, it's God and his flock. It's the shepherd and his flock. Well, I just can't seem to get along with any of the other sheep. Then you got a problem, not the flock. All the other people in the flock getting on my nerves. It's not you. I'm sorry. It's not the flock. <laughs> I was thinking about myself when I said that. <laughs> it's not me. <laughs> Isn't that the way we think, though? You know? <laughs> I listen. I listen. I, I listen for a living, folks. I listen for a living. And I listen to people sometimes. They don't, they don't know how they sound. They're not getting along with this one. They're not getting along with that one. And you sit there for long enough, they start talking about somebody else that gets on their nerves. And they're fighting with this person. It's all in the form, when they're talking to the pastor, it's all in the form of a prayer request. Please pray. So-and-so is driving me crazy, and they said this to me, and they're getting on my nerves. I can't go out to eat with them anymore. I can't sit by them. I can't, um, you know. Can I sit when we have the A-B group? Can I switch to the other group, you know? <laughs> it's not the flock. It's you. I shall not want other flocks. I'm going to learn to be a good sheep. This is good teaching, isn't it? There's a lot in the 23rd Psalm. We don't, you don't preach this at funerals. The second declarative statement, this, the second decision. So the first decision is I shall not want in verse 1. The, the second decision sheep, sheep must make is in verse 4. When he says, uh, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Now, that's, that's, that's a given. That's an observation there because the Lord will lead us through those places. But the decision is, I will fear no evil. I will fear no evil. I will fear no evil. Now, it's, they, they, they contextualize it, or David does, by putting it kind of in the, the sense of, because you're with me. But it's still a decision. Because I can know, I can know that the Lord is with me and still choose to be fearful. And so he says, I will fear no evil. I will decide. I will make up my mind to fear no evil. I thought about this recently. I, I thought about this, that how that fear is, is really like a jail. Fear, it's, it, 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 it entraps you. It cages you in. It's sad when I see people's lives that are so, so affected by fear. There are people that they can't leave their homes. Uh, they're so fear, and I'm not just talking about COVID right now. There are people that are so um, bound by fear; they just they don't want to be out of their homes. And then there are people that they can leave their homes, but they can't be in crowds. And then there are people they can be in a crowd, just not more than just a few. And then there are people well, I can be in crowds, but only in this setting. And I can be in this setting, but I can't be. And it just what it really boils down to is just fear. It's fear, fear. It's so it's so we're constantly checking the bars of the jail how far can I go and, and, and how far will fear allow me to go and then it binds you up it, it, it chains you up you, even, even if you can go in certain places because of fear it only allows you to, to you only got so much lead on that chain and then, and then fear will bind you up there are people who I'm, I'm, I'm certain would be in the house of the Lord but for fear and then there are people who would be at an altar praying but for fear 
I know every, you know, I know every time the preacher preaches on that topic, he's talking to me, and, and I need to pray, and the altar opens, and the sermon ends, and you want to go, and that chain stops you. Fear, 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 fear of change, fear of, of, of vulnerability, fear of maybe just walking up in front of somebody. And, and I know, I tell you all the time, you can pray at your seat, you can make an altar of your seat, and that's all well and good, and you can. But there is something to be said for making a commitment, a walk of commitment. It's just a, just a, you know what, I'm going to make, I'm going to, this is, God, I'm going to show you, I'm, I'm moving out of this seat. I don't care. Getting to the point where you say, I don't care what anybody thinks. I don't care. I don't care what anybody says. This is between me and the shepherd, and I will not fear. I will not fear what others say about me. I will not fear going up there and praying at an altar. And I will not fear, well, somebody might come up and pray for me. Who cares? I will not fear if somebody prays for me. I will not fear. Maybe they'll speak in tongues over you. I will not fear that. I, you got to make up your mind. I will not let fear reign my life. I'm busting out of here. I'm going to break out of this prison. Somebody said amen. That, that's a, isn't that that's a declarative statement? I will fear no evil. I'm just not going to do it. Now, the Bible says that uh, he's not given us a spirit of fear. For God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. Amen? So fear, I understand there's different kinds of fear. And... and <clears throat> Some fear is, makes sense. It makes us to be careful. I have a fear of walking out in traffic. That's a good fear. Amen? I have a fear of drinking gasoline. I'm never going to do it. Amen? I'm kind of like Wendy Bagwell when they, the lady, he went to the church where they were handling snakes. Somebody's heard that story. Good story. You need to go, you, young people need to YouTube that, that story. He shows up in a, singing in a church where they start bringing the snakes out. He didn't know they handled snakes. He was fearful. Well, that's a healthy fear. Somebody waves a snake in my face. I'm going to tell you to back on up. But they got the snakes out, and he said to his wife, where's the back door? And she said, I done checked, and there ain't one. And he said, well, reckon where do they want one? <laughs> there, are, there, there are good, healthy fears. That's not what the psalmist is talking about here. Amen. And then one woman, after the service, she said, she walked up to me and said, Brother Wendy, you mean to tell me if the Lord told you to take up the serpent, you wouldn't do it? And he said, yes, ma'am, I surely would. But he didn't, and I ain't. <laughs> well, I never thought I'd preach Brother Wendy Bagwell's song before, or, but <laughs> it'll preach. <laughs> so there, there are, I'm not going to walk out in traffic. I'm not going to, you know, if you, if you tell me you have covid Bless your heart. I'm probably not going to get right up in your face and say, come on, sneeze. Breathe on me. Breathe on me. Breathe on me. I'm not going to sing that song to you. That just makes sense. Thank you, brother. <laughs> it was that funny, by the way. Don't you let anybody around you discourage you. So it doesn't mean that we're just going to throw all caution out. But I will fear no evil. There are evil things that would try to hinder me, threats. I'm not going to fear that. I will not fear. God has not given us a spirit of fear. He's given us a spirit of love, power, sound mind, and I'm going to operate and move in those things. Amen? The third thing is found in verse 6, where he says, uh, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And then this decision, 
I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's a decision because you do not have to do that. But you must make up your mind to do that. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. In other words, I recognize the necessity of this shepherd-sheep relationship. Here, here we're talking in the context of the shepherd and the sheep. So he's really saying, I will dwell in this, I will stay in the in the care of this shepherd wherever he goes, I'm going to go. I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm not going to leave the, 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 the fold, the flock, I'm not going to leave this shepherd. I will, I'm I've made up my mind. We need more of this, by the way. We need we need more of of, of this um, this this definite, just long term. We need to say these kind of words once in a while. We're not we're not waking up every day deciding. Well, am I going to stay in the church? Well, am I going to continue to follow the Lord? Now I know we don't say that as Christians. I know we don't purposely think that. But I'm saying we need to go beyond just not saying that. We need to go beyond declaring my mind is made up. I don't know when the Lord's coming. He might come today. He might come next week. He might come next year. He might come next decade. I don't know. But I know this. I'm not deciding day to day whether I'm going to dwell in the house of the Lord. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. God, I'm in this forever. Amen. I'm not checking out the church. I'm not checking out the kingdom. I'm not seeing if this is what I want to do now. Uh, I'm in this forever. And I'm preaching to people that I know that. I know you've got this settled. But listen to me. Don't you get too comfortable because I've seen many people in your shoes that have been in the church for a long time. I talked about the, the axe head this morning falling off the handle. Before anything slips off the handle, it gets loose first. And you can be on the handle a long time and start loosening up. Nobody just flies off the handle. They get a little loose. They get a, loose, a little loose with their prayer life. They get a little loose with their Bible reading. They get a little loose with their attitudes and their spirits. And before you know it, people, I've heard people say that before. Well, they just, they just, that was awful abrupt. They just backslid overnight. No, they didn't. Just like that axe head didn't just fall off on that one swing. It's been loosening, loosening, loosening. Lo- you just saw the, that, you just saw when it came off, see. And that's exactly how it is. So be careful, because I've seen people in the church for many years that you, you would never thought would fall away. But just a little looser, looser, we'll loosen up here, we'll loosen up there. That's why when your pastor teaches on things like standards and, 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 and holiness and staying close to God and not getting close to the world, you need to get behind that. You need to, you need to, you need to, and you need to, re, we need to revisit these things once in a while because we don't have a tendency to tighten up. We have a tendency to loosen up. And there are some things that I might teach that you might say, well, I don't really understand all of that. And so-and-so down the road doesn't hold to all of that. And, but, but for this church, God's called me to be the pastor. I'm teaching things God lays on my heart to keep us gripped on the handle. I don't want anybody falling off the handle. I don't want you flying off into the water. And so, um, every day, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And I'm going to do everything that I can within my power. I'm going to pray. I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to abstain from the worldly things. I'm going to come out from the world and stay out of the world. And be holy and be separate every day. And you're going to have to make up your mind. 
because the closer we get to the coming of the Lord, folks, I'm telling you, it's not going to get easier for the church. It's going to get tougher. You feel it. It's already here. There's a, there's, a, there's a spirit, an adverse spirit coming against anybody trying to be holy, anybody who's even just holding to the basic tenets of the word of God. You can't even believe in males and females anymore and not be, you're not, you're not, you know, you're not tolerant. You, you have no compassion. Folks, there are states in our I'm going to get off, get political here now. But there are states in the United States of America uh, where a 14-year-old, was it a 14-year-old that we saw in the news the other day, where you can be 14-year-old, might have been 13-year-old, but I know it's at least 14, can without their parents' consent start sex change operations. Yeah, so, so it didn't just start there. It started with us. They didn't have to report pregnancies. They didn't have to report sexual sexually transmitted diseases. They didn't have to report being sexually active. They, didn't, they could come to these certain places and we won't tell your, tell your parents. And so we kind of let that slide. Well, we can see that. Well, we can see that. And now we got 14-year-olds can go, little boys can go talk to counselors about having, I'm talking about surgeries, removing their genitalia without the consent of a parent. What in the world? And here we are, I mean, it used to be, I mean, at least we could get up and say, yeah, God created male and female, male and female created him, and the whole world would say, yeah, that's right. Now, now well, you're cruel. We, are, we need to let 14-year-olds make up their mind what gender they are. That's, I don't even know what to call that. Perverted? Abomination? But it's the, it's the pervasive spirit that's coming against just decent Things that are of God. Anything that is of God, the devil's going to attack. And things that we didn't even see coming, here they are. Here they are right now. So I'm telling you, I never I never thought, I was, you know, when I was a youth pastor, I never was dealing with this kind of stuff in youth group. I mean, it was like, you know, boys and girls fight with each other because he flirted with her and, and you know, that kind of stuff. Well, thank God, I'd love to go back to those days, you know. So here we are. This is what we're dealing with. Folks, we better make up our mind. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. As tough as it may get, whatever flies against the church, whatever comes against the church, I'm here. I'm not going anywhere. I'll, I'll close with this scripture. I love this scripture in John chapter 6, verse 66, where when Jesus finally really starts teaching the multitudes about who he is, he says, I'm the bread that's come down from heaven. He's basically saying to them, I'm the Savior. You've been reading about in prophecy. I'm it. And all of a sudden, all of these people, many, I should say, many of these people who had followed him, they loved his stories, they, he, they loved his teaching, they loved his miracles, yes. But from that time, the Bible says, many of his disciples, verse 66, John 6, from that time, many of his disciples went back. How many? Many. <laughs> Just many. I mean, uh, they walked no more with him. From that, there was a definitive moment. Jesus knew this is the tipping point. If I say this, this is what's going to separate the followers, the true followers, from the casuals. He didn't hold back. It was time to say it. It was time to speak it. So he spoke it. Right? And from that time, from that time, 
from that moment, many of his disciples went back, walked no more with him. So, so Jesus didn't chase them. And I preached on this here recently. He didn't chase the multitude. Say, wait, wait, wait a minute. Let me, I didn't, maybe I didn't say that quite right. He didn't do that. He said, all right, I knew, I knew you would go. But I need, to, I need to do a check here with, I need to do a check with my, with the, my handpicked group here. Because they're the ones going to reach you anyway. All the ones that walked away, Jesus knew. I, I knew I didn't have you, but my disciples are going to come after you in a few days. And so i got to make sure my disciples are good. So he says to the 12, to the 12, what are you going to do? Where do you stand? What's your mindset? Will you also go away? To which they replied, Simon Peter said, Lord, to whom shall we go? To whom shall we go? Um, there's no one else. Our minds are made up. I like that he said to whom, not to where, not to what, but to whom, because it shows me Peter understood this is a personal relationship. You're the shepherd, and I'm the sheep. Where, what, where else, what other shepherd am I going to go to that's going to tell us the truth? He says, no, 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 where shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. You're it. You're the true shepherd. If, if we leave you and go to another shepherd, we're going to die. We can't be saved. You are it. You have the words, and we believe. I love this. Here's where we've got to be. We've got to live in verse number 69. We believe and are sure. So my question to you today as sheep of the true shepherd is, are you sure? Is your mind made up? It's one thing to believe. It's another thing to be sure. We believe and are sure that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Our minds are made up. I shall not want, I will not fear, and I, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Decisions that we as sheep must make, must live by. Amen. And all of the wonderful blessings of the 23rd Psalm are ours if we live within those parameters. Isn't that beautiful? Aren't you thankful for this Psalm? Amen. Let's stand together. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Why don't you, uh, Jenna, you in here? texted her okay i just kind of landed abruptly there did i just put the nose down boom here we are that's all right we can we can pray without music for a minute Let, let's find us a place would you do that would you pray around the altar or at your seat wherever you want to pray would you bring this would you bring these words into your spirit today and just talk to jesus talk to the shepherd as a sheep talk to the shepherd amen
Jesus, you're the center. Everything revolves around you. Jesus, you, nothing else matters. Nothing in this world will do. Jesus, you're the center. Everything revolves around you. Jesus, you. At the center of it all. Lord, you're the center of it all. Jesus, be the center of my life. 